Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. Late stage neoliberal capitalism will destroy us all. My name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And this week <laughs> we're going to... Um, <laughs> this is the first one post-Tory victory. Yes. Um, which was demoralising to say the least. I don't know if it was surprising. I don't know if I should be surprised by it, but for some reason I was. So, like, fight the uh, fatalistic nihilist nihilism and try and figure out what we're actually going to... if there's anything we can do. Um, by talking about, instead of focusing on what the right is doing wrong, which is sort of increasingly obvious, we need to. it seems like we need to look at what the left is doing wrong. It seems to, we need to look at what we're, we're doing wrong. What are we doing? Yeah. In order to address a problem, we do need to take a minute to think about what we could be doing better. Uh, one of the things I've been very reluctant to speak about in any depth is my period of working at the Labour Party, which I think uh, is a good, was a good indicator that the so-called left was not really functioning very well. Mm. Uh, so I think I'll base a lot of my thoughts around that. I also mm. think that we can be drawn into a comfortable situation and not realise necessarily this kind of bubble thing that we talk about not yeah. really realise what's going on outside of our own uh, echo chamber our own circle of friends our own village so yeah. I think that's or it's like if we do see any of what's outside our own bubbles it's so shocking that it's just you just can't even understand how anyone could have come to that conclusion like even I just see like the sun in the in the in the supermarket i'm like this is an alien world to me at this point yeah and um, i think i think that's another thing that's happening the way we've kind of got all this information available to us but it's self self determining we choose what we read yeah. uh, we don't all sit down and watch the same news at seven o'clock no. or ten o'clock every night we all watch a completely different version of the world yeah, um, so we've all got our own realities yeah. and where do we go from here and I'm starting to feel like the problem is on the left oh yeah um, also <laughs> I was going to say just yeah and also just like for, for all Corbyn's virtues he's bad at politics <laughs> he's right? bad he's at politics bad at playing politics which Boris is a flipping you know, that's all he cares about is playing politics. So it's in that way, it's not that surprising, is it, that Boris managed to kind of claw his way into this position? And, uh, yeah, and then the sort of implications of Cummings being the power behind the throne, I think. But, yeah, maybe we record that. <laughs> maybe I mean, we look into that as a later episode. We've got... Uh, I, I have thought about this as well. You know, they've got Dom Cummings and uh, the socialist gang. The people that are supposed to love people have Sean Milne. Does anybody Who's know that? what he does? Does anybody no, know where he is? Uh, Never even heard the name. So yes, he's the director of strategy and communications for the Labour Party, Sean Milne. Uh, who yes, so you know we have a, a problem. Yes, and with that, let's. <laughs> Ivanka, it's the 28th of December, 2019. Just had Christmas. How's it going? <sighs> it's going... How is it going? It's been a, a challenging couple of months, I would say, on a personal level, on a societal level, though I have got back to Sutivan and I have broccoli growing in the garden, which I'm delighted by. Which I'm I, massively I'm jealous of that. Never fact. succeeded in growing broccoli before. So we arrived sort of in the dark with, you know, you've always got staples like pasta and oil and stuff. And then we went in the garden and picked the broccoli and had it with our dinner. How exciting Perfect. was that? So, yeah, 
there's good and bad in every day. <laughs> the house is functioning well. I've had to have a, I've had, I've really endeavoured very much since coming to this village to be very polite to everybody and very nice to everybody. But I had to tell somebody to stop talking to me the other day. I was like, please right. stop talking. Stop talking now. I'm walking away was basically, please stop talking to me. I'm not, you're not listening to me. I'm not talking to you anymore. Uh, was because uh, we've got a little a leak and I wanted to, I contacted the neighbour and asked if I could check if it was coming from their building because it's attached to ours. Mm. And he sent a friend who then proceeded to, the conversation started going wrong when he said, because we had to go into my loft to to look at where the water's going. And as we were walking out the loft, he said, well, do you want to shut the door? And I said, no, no, it's fine. I'll come back in a minute. Do you want to shut the door? No, no, it's okay. I'll leave it open now. It might as well air out a bit. I'm just, I'm just outside here with you. Do you want to shut the door? <laughs> just stop talking about my door. It's my door and I want to leave it open. Leave me alone. It was just one of those like, why are you obsessed with my door? Stop telling me what to do. And it all went downhill from there. And I, I, it's just an older Croat man. So I maintained polite form of language at all time. Didn't swear mm. at all. It was very, very polite. And uh, yeah, in the end, I was just like, please go away. Go away. I'm not talking to you anymore. That was my, uh, that was my first day back in the village. Lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, things are, things are okay. Uh, how are you, Michael? Uh, yeah, all right. The family Christmas experiences. I think I managed to instill a slightly less fraught mode of Christmas present buying in my family. Nice. Um, which cause last year I did sort of like basically got everyone's a very slight variation on the same thing and then like a little personalised superficial variety for each one. And it seemed like that's been picked up a little bit this year by other siblings because like even with just three or four of my siblings now the house like on boxing day there was like 17 people in the house kind of thing oh, and, it's wow. just, and it's not a big space so um my family is very large and uh, growing by the year uh, i have multiple nieces and nephews now and yeah i just got to hang out with baby so that was good it's always good it is um Back in London, enjoying my personal space and control over my environment and what I eat and so on. So, fine. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Looking yeah. forward to... Well, still, like, December's been a bit, again, like, for me, like, I've, I've lost more than one day to emotions and um, I'm sort of feeling like I'm sort of behind on my projects and... I was really hoping to have some stuff finished by now, but I'm hoping that I'll find a re reinvigorated energy as 2020 begins. So, regarding British politics, I was feeling very angry um, when the Tories won, uh, like by a lot. And it's just, uh, I sort of did want to record a shouty one, but now that that's just turned to whatever it is, that's kind of acceptance has kicked in. Um, and also, you know, reading about the Stoics and let's, we can only control, you, you, you've got to focus on what you can control. Yeah. And to some extent, that's my immediate relationships and things like that. Um, but also just in a wider sense, like I think we as the left need to look at what we're doing wrong instead of um, crying about what the right is doing wrong. Because as you sort of touched on, like, well, I think the problem is like the right has a very coherent message because it's quite a sort of simplistic worldview yeah. compared to the left, which is a very multifaceted and there's lots of different people and it's inclusive. And But that leads to sort of fracturing and um, sort of like splintering of sort of unity in a way that the, the right seems relatively immune to. I've been trying to think about what the... Um what the right words are 
podcast. My father used to go on about how the the the, the proletariat was very good at arguing amongst itself. Uh, he that was one of the things he used to bang on about, <laughs> and in those terms, in those words, you know, mm. the proletariat always lets themselves down because they start fighting with each other and they start competing with each other. Whereas the there is a ruthlessness, and I think he this is what. The the there is something about the end justifying the means that if you're on a more uh, what you said earlier about Corbyn not being very good at politics, um, I think if you're you're you've in, you've got a certain set of values, you're less likely to trample on somebody to get where you need to go or where you think you need to go. Whereas mm. if you have whereas um, the people with power or hold power who want to retain that power, um, there is a ruthlessness and a lack of regard to method that just you can't compete with. needs to be some unity yeah in the left because as if you ask people what they actually want on the street yeah policy wise it's very much left-leaning policies in yeah. terms of what they want from the state and if you could just get everyone that agrees that this is you know massive inequality is a bad thing the nhs should be good like healthcare should be good welfare state should be good um then there are so many more of us. That's the whole, the feature of the the 1%, the feature of the sort of eaten elite is that there aren't very many of them and there's way more of us than them. So why is it so hard for us to unify? And um... But I, I think that's part of, we are taught that way. We are, they are, if you're in charge, the, the education system, I don't, I, to some extent, this is a problem worldwide, but different cultures are more more likely to resist or more likely to um, oppose some sort of policy being inflicted on them. Whereas I think the British education system is one of the... I, wonder, I was going to say one of the worst in the world. I don't think it's very good. It certainly does not mm. rank very highly. And I think by consistently generation after generation under educating people then their ability to critical think and evaluate disappears um education isn't culturally valued i was talking to a guy like a neighbor last night who you know, lives a few doors up and he's he's in his 60s and his wife of 42 years died in last spring and because I'd got used to saying hello to both of them I, I asked and it, I think we arrived in May a couple of days after she died and um, you know obviously I was very sorry to hear that but whenever he walks past I always pause and have a chat with him anyway I saw him last night and he didn't he obviously hadn't talked to anybody probably all day and so mm. he gave me a full half an hour rundown of, of everything in the world uh, mm. including he was talking about um, uh, how many you know he was like oh you've only got one child why don't you have another child because you know and I was like well I left it a bit late for a second child so and then he goes well you know it's a it's a it's a double-edged sword isn't it we must be educated I mean my daughter's gone and got a master's and a PhD and we need everyone to get great education but then you end up having children late and it's not as easy as it was and there's this sort of like acceptance that in 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 a I th I think it's fair to say broadly in a more more peasant less industrialized culture that education is the way out of everything and it's enormously mm. valued. Whereas in British culture, it's just not valued. Not yeah, in the I same mean, my, way. My experience of school was you know being called a swap for doing my homework, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. doing the what I was told, like that was too much for most people, like that you actually did what you'd been given. And I was like, well, it's not like I'm going out and doing extra stuff or <laughs> just like doing what I thought. I don't want to get in trouble for yeah, not yeah. doing the things I've been told to do. But that is just, uh, and I don't know what the difference, I don't know if it's improved in the last 30, 40 years, but like that was, yeah, you were, it was frowned upon to make an effort to try to do your homework, to do your work, to 
care, be interested in learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I think it has to come. So yes, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's particular to to British society. This lack of, um, or I, I, I see it there where I don't see it anywhere else. Like, mm. you know, even even linguistically, if you think about Germans, it's Herr Doctor, Herr Ingenieur. You know, like they they mm. add their qualifications into their title, the way you address mm. them. So. Um, and here, it, there's there's very much this oh my you know pride in what your child is studying and what they you know yeah. how how brilliantly they're doing in school and all this kind of stuff. And I I do think that's a factor in all this, but mm. I think what what um, uh, so I you know there's something about this label of socialism um, that needs to be rebranded. You know what you what you were saying about everybody wants these. Uh, these things that socialism offers but doesn't want to um, doesn't want to vote for it because somehow we've been told that if we vote for it oh it'll be like the 70s that's all, all I ever hear why don't we want a Labour go I remember what it was like in the 70s mm. do you well yeah <laughs> George George Monbiot talks about this I've been watching some of his uh, little sort of bits and sound bites and bits and pieces and interviewing he's, he's sort of go, I saw this 10 year old thing of him talking to Boris Johnson about like uh, carbon um, carbon offset stuff emissions in London and stuff and uh, but what he what he says the problem is that we did have the crisis we did have the disaster in 2008 with the financial crisis that said that very much proved that neoliberalism Doesn't didn't work. work the market would not save us and um, but there was no new stock there was no nothing else available to replace it so we just kept plowing on with this because yeah, um, yeah. um, I guess you'd say yeah the left didn't uh, we didn't just didn't have an alternative and still don't. And so it all—it always has to look like a step forward, but we just don't have a—we don't know what the next step is. Well, I, th you know, I think it's I mean, radical. I think it's radical left stuff. I think it's you know universal basic income and sort of you know I'm on the radical left. Fuck it, like I don't care. But 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 I think part of that. This is where this where that that crash in two thousand eight got fixed too quickly. Because nobody wanted to see what would happen if we allowed it to crash. We've seen, you know, mm. we'd seen it before. We'd seen it in the 30s. We know what it looks like when the when the economy collapses. So, you know, the UK government stepped in and plugged plugged gaps and made sure everybody, you know, low, bailed out the banks. And then because nobody wanted to see what it was like when people where with mass inflation with people yeah. you know blood on the streets all that kind people of people flying thing. kites made of money yes yeah, like kind of so 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 we kind of in preventing that catastrophe um we prevented change from happening yeah we let it off the hook we, we let neoliberalism went, off the hook which like, is, it's all uh, right okay. we'll fix it we'll pick it up and, and we're just and but there have been consequences, but they've been a lot more insidious, and it's not quite so obvious how they're connected to that no. um, that crisis. But so Brexit and like you know the slow erosion of the the welfare state is all directly connected to that because there was a price. But yeah, we're sort of spreading it out amongst the the weakest members of society, whilst letting the stronger ones just carry on as normal. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, I think to some extent that includes all of us as well. You know, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my life didn't get affected by the financial crash at all. Mm. I wasn't particularly aware of it. No. Like, like, so, so that, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that is weird. Like, well, I might have been like, why aren't there as many jobs? But isn't that like, what? that's like around the time I quit LBI to try yeah. and do some stuff. So I, I just wasn't even... No, I wasn't paying attention. Maybe it was like, there aren't quite as many jobs, but I, 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 I yeah. I think it's and attribute it to that. No, but go, going back to the to the left thing and what we're doing wrong and yeah. why it's wrong. When you mm. mentioned about George Monbiot talking to with Boris Johnson about carbon offset and and mm. um, pollution in London and stuff, uh, the thing about somebody like Boris Johnson who wants power, he doesn't mind changing his story. 
No, no. You know, he he's not being consistent. He has defended the environment, been against. You know, like he he doesn't care. Yeah. He wants power over and above any sort of particular principle or value. Um, and I don't what what I find frustrating about what people and I and I think our electoral systems. We're talking about Boris Johnson instead of, but but I think we have to reflect what he's doing well. I think in order to question what we're doing badly. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I realise I'm drifting into Boris Johnson, but I'm not trying to bash him. I'm sort of trying to look at him. So our mutual painterly friend told me, and I don't know if I've said this on podcast, that he was in the Albert Hall in the 80s (laughs) and somebody introduced him to Boris Johnson and said, this is our future prime minister. And... uh, that is somebody then who has been groomed and helped and been intent on becoming prime minister that his whole life. And so he's got there now. And I think our our electoral system also allows him to sell a short-term story because he's not painting a vision. He's not painting Mm. a beautiful vision of a glorious future where, you know, we all get great education, we get great health care and we get great social care. And it's not a rounded vision of a, you know, equal equal society where everybody's okay he's just painting a short-term picture of oven ready brexit because he can sell that really quickly and ultimately in four years he doesn't need to deliver i mean what's his vision beyond that does he want to you know does he only does does your goal of becoming prime minister only mean that you need to hang on for two years four years five years do you need to do eight years like this is his picture. Whereas somebody like, um, who told me, who was I reading? Oh, uh, the other one, not George Monbiot. Paul Mason talked about the fact that the, uh, the, pit, the, the story that uh, Corbyn was selling was unachievable. You know, green fields for everybody, equality for all. It's like nobody bought into it because nobody believed it was possible. I mean, why don't we believe it's possible? Like, but that's a lack of leadership, I think. Like, if you want to, for whatever Boris, uh, Boris is sort of, I, I don't know, I can't put peg him as a leader. So let's put him to one side and let's, let's take, let's take uh, Corbyn. Corbyn is not a leader. I would have certainly accepted him as a prime minister, I've, without a doubt. Yeah. But I am... Um, he is not a leader, not in the sense of what a leader needs to be able to do, which is to get people to follow them. You need to be able to inspire and, and you know, set a direction and set a vision and set an aim and all these things that he, he can't do that. He can't. He's incapable. So um, I, I'm going to I want to sort of to talk about Corbyn. I think it's really useful to. Like having now done some more research, so the anti-Semitism accusations in the oh, Labour yeah. Party basically stemmed from Corbyn trying to be being principled over playing politics. I think. Yeah. Um, so, and I didn't really want to, you know, I I wanted when we were talking about it in the last episode, I was I was focused on the politics of accusations of anti-Semitism coming from the other side, but what. I hadn't really dug into very much was like what, where that all came from originally. And the fact that there were people, Jewish publications doing, you know, like there was stuff coming, Labour members, like stuff coming from the left that started this fire. And sort of looking into it, we've like, I should have known this before, but like looking into it, basically there is an internationally, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance or IHRA has a definition of anti-Semitism, which has like these various bullet points. Yeah. And, and this has been accepted by various countries and various institutions around the world. Um, but there were sort of four that the Labour Party were kind of like, they wanted to sort of qualify and they wanted to maybe not just accept on face value. And I think this was, this was ultimately because it was stuff about Israel and Palestine, related yeah. to Israel, Palestine, Basically, Corbyn wants to stand up for Palestine and doesn't want to fall foul of this, I think what he thinks was a slightly too hard-edged definition of, of anti-Semitism. So basically, the, the sort of 
a, a, a sort of Jewish organisation internationally has said, look, this is this is what you're not allowed to do, and if you do this, then you're being anti-Semitic. Um, then the Jewish press kind of latched onto this and said, this is this is an outrage. How can you think you you know how can you think you know more about this than we do? Like Jeremy, etc. Like how can you like reject? We're the ones that know the definition of this. Um, but like. On, whilst I think it's like Corbyn wanting to be able to talk about Israel-Palestine, the way this was interpreted by the Jewish press was, no, you want to be able to yell racist, um, anti-Semitic slurs at us in the street, and as long as we can't prove intent to hurt, then that's OK under your definition of anti-Semitism. So there was this like really hard emotional reaction, I think, to what they were doing, which is obviously understandable, like people kind of like scared. And so these three Jewish papers all kind of put the same headline about what Labour was up to. Then in September, Labour said, OK, we're going to accept these this definition. And I, to be honest, like there's a couple in there that I don't even know why you wouldn't accept. It was like, you're not allowed to compare Israel to Nazi Germany. And you look at it politically and you go, why the hell would you do this? Why? It's political suicide to not accept this definition, Yeah. if nothing else, which is why the Conservatives have no problem doing it because it's like, oh, well, this is a really easy way to appease our Jewish constituents. We just accept this thing. And if, especially if Labour aren't, because then we can take the moral high ground the whole time. But then what happened? And But then it's just the fact that the, the, the Jewish press, were, they were so worried about this, that they would do something so to, that would scupper the Labour Party itself so severely by having this this accusation thrown at them from the people that, you, you know, if that, you've got to really listen. Um, but then, like, what happened was after that, like, the Labour Party actually did end up accepting the definition in September, um, even though, like, Corbyn did want to kind of put this whole thing in afterwards, but he got sort of argued down in the end. So it is just like the Labour Party now is officially in line with everything else. So all this thing that the Jewish press was initially scared about is that's kind of technically dealt with. But then... The chief rabbi in November kind of like just does this really disingenuous thing, like which is just to me just seems like an obvious political move to say, oh, no, like the people are terrified. Jew British Jews are terrified of the Labour Party, um, which is now based on just kind of like the, the 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 memory of the previous thing that happened. There's nothing behind it. I kind of clicked on this guy a little bit Um Ephraim Mervis and um, it's not a stretch to think that he's in sort of cahoots with Boris Johnson and people like that um, and just it's just an absolutely like political move to sort of stoke this fire at that particular moment and one of the five reasons that people were like oh they're not sure about Labour is anti-semitism the other one's like they just don't really like Corbyn's face and <laughs> you know like and a couple of other things but um, basically uh, what what I couldn't really internalise was that people that I see as having should be kind of unified in terms of values, like the sort of Jewish community, the Labour Party. I just felt like, why would you do this to your own hope of kind of getting into power and actually being able to do things? Uh, why would you give that? Why would you hand this to the Tories on a plate? And it's just. It's just like standing up in a meeting and breaking ranks, kind of thing to me, yeah. which I just find hard to hard to hard to understand why someone like you must be really scared to do that. Like, but the fact that they the, the sort of press did that, but uh, which I don't think was cynical. I just think they were genuinely worried about it. But then for this uh, rabbi to be able to then jump on it and just kind of, I think, I hope like no one gets upset with me for saying it, but he doesn't look like a good guy to me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I looked at I looked him up as well, and he he looks like he yeah. There's um, but this this is what we were talking well a couple of things on the whole principle mm. over politics. I do think that you have to pick your fights and you have to pick your moments to have those fights, whoever yeah. you are, and as a leader, you need to understand when is the right time to pick a fight. Yeah. And I yeah. think that I often talk about the fact that people don't play enough chess. 
This is a total absence of strategy and yeah. strategic move and anticipating the other side and all that kind of stuff that yeah. you need to do regardless of whether you're managing a team or you're managing a you know, you're leader of a political party. You're not really managing a political party, but if you're not managing in a sense that you're not managing the party, you are managing the strategy, the voice, the, yeah. the story that comes out of it. And I think the Labour Party has... I had this conversation around the referendum time with, with, with somebody I know who's British Chinese. We were talking about a mutual friend who was very... Uh, pro, he was going to vote leave... And I use that argument of, you know, you're you're standing side by side with with racists. Why would you do that? I understand that your goals are not the same as theirs, but you're you're giving them this, you're you're, you're being in their gang, and and then I spoke to my friend, the, this guy offline, the British Chinese person, and he was like, he's white male British. He's never actually been afraid. He's mm. never had somebody attack him. He's never had... Mm. And I think part of this is a lack of empathy and imagination on the side of Jeremy Corbyn to underestimate mm. the fear that even mildly, you know, like anything even veering towards anti-Semitism would cause. Yeah. I mean, six million people were exterminated. Yeah. Like, you can't... I cannot even begin to comprehend how it must feel to be a Jewish person in the world today. And so, and I would, I, I would totally understand why you would have to go all out to smack down any anti-Semitism. Uh, mm. Let's put aside the fact that we should still be allowed to talk about Israel as a separate entity. Mm. But, because uh, I think number one on one of those things is, you know, it's... It, 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 it's understanding that Jew, Judaism is not the same as Israel. <laughs> so, but I but, think, like, you know, but the, the, the fact is, like, you know, Corbyn, I, I guess I would imagine that Corbyn's thinking, like, he gets to be in charge. If he's leading the United Kingdom, which has one of the worst histories of colonialism and oh, genocide of yeah. all of them. Yeah. So, uh, whereas Israel, being quite a young country, is sort of like they're, they're, they're being held to a much, much, much higher standard than Britain has ever had to be held to in a lot of ways yeah. because it's like this world stage that just didn't really... It wasn't the same about 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Um, but it's sort of important for the country with one of the worst legacies of doing that to sort of present... I don't know. I don't even I know. know. Like, no. look, well, I mean, should, we can. We, we should can be. Fi we would be listened to if we yeah. were talking about well, this. One of the arguments that I get, somebody else was talking about him, and I was like, he's a philosopher, not a leader. Philosophically, this is mm. a very interesting conversation, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Practically speaking, in terms of day to day running a country, you've got people in your own country living well below the poverty line. Deal with that first, then sort out anti-Semitism on a world stage. Yeah. You know, like there is an order of priorities. People being hungry is higher than how the International Association for Holocaust Remembrance has defined anti-Semitism. They're the experts in that. Let's just do what they say and maybe have a philosophical debate with them down the road when none of the people in the UK are starving. <laughs> here is where the left always runs into problems is because when you're being principled it can get quite all or nothing it can get yeah. like well i don't want to um i don't want to concede that point because my principles will yeah. then be damaged there will be a hole in my principles and in a way that's i guess for a politician that's you also don't want people to be able to accuse you of hypocrisy because they love that shit as well yeah. but um i i kind of think that being principled because for me i just cannot be bothered with politics playing the idea of playing politics because yeah. it's a full-time job just to kind of like refine what you think are the right principles in life and to discover where you think the problems are and to just just to live as to try and live as a principled person is a constant process of learning and like kind of seeing things from new perspectives and, and it's a full-time job and so jeremy is it's sort of like you can't do that 
which I would, you know, I don't know if this is generous, but like that's what I imagine Jeremy's world is like. You can't also then be a politician. Like you need to sort of delegate the leadership to someone that can actually yeah. knows how to which things to accept, which things yeah. to just kind of like and, put on the back burner but, for now yeah. in order to get into a position of power. There's a couple of things in this sort of like how the Labour Party works as well. The Labour Party, the party itself, the party infrastructure, the sort of civil servant equivalents of the Labour Party need to take this on board. The Labour Party of Great Britain is the biggest socialist democratic party in Europe, if not the world. That is, so it's a, it's a democratic party where the members elect the leader, they vote for the leader. Mm. Jeremy Corbyn won the leadership election twice. Mm. And the Labour Party, the parliamentary Labour Party, who are the, the, the ministers, and the head office Labour Party, the structure of the Labour Party, refused to accept that result and constantly worked against it. And again, this is a this is a this is a problem of leadership. Like the the first time he won, I was there in between the two leadership elections, basically, right. uh, more or less. And then you know the 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 second leadership election was more whilst I was there, but towards the end of my my residency it's like mm. my before the end of my my uh, tour of duty Stint. let's call it my tour of duty <laughs> my attempt to do something useful um and and some of the people close to him i asked them because i never saw him right like, i was acting director of digital right i never met him fair Christ. enough I met his deputy and I work relatively closely and delegate. Fair dues, you don't need to meet me. I never met this director of strategy and communications dude. Mm. I was only the acting person. Fair enough, don't meet me. What about the actual director of digital? Did you not think she was worth meeting? Is, mm. is strategy and communication something divorced from digital? <laughs> you know, it's mm. like, because um, I don't think it is. Uh, we so I had a conversation with somebody who's quite close to him. I was like, if he wins this second leadership election, is he actually going to turn up to this head office in London and start leading? Hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because frankly, if I'd have been, you know, if I'd in his place, I would have done what any, you know, like. Do you remember I, I definitely said on podcasts that somebody give me the advice when you take over a team, you have to fire a couple of people straight away. <laughs> the Labour Party head office needed a leader to walk in and go, right, this is the vision of the bright new future. Are you with yeah. me? If you're not with me, fuck the fuck off. <laughs> because this is not a time to undermine the leadership of the Labour Party. And that, I think, is another part of the problem. Um, yeah. And it's because it was this like talk about factions, that head office it was like, and talk about chess. It was almost impossible to anticipate like the attacks from all the different sides. Because I was not, mm. I've never, you know, I was not on anyone's side. And it was just mm. a an absence of because if you it's like with you hear these stories sorry i'm telling jumbled things but they do they do add up i promise you yeah. you hear these stories of steve, steve jobs walking through the corridors of apple and going you you're fired and sort of the management team worked in such a way that they would like hide that person in a cupboard for a period mm. until he forgot that he'd fired them or he they just hid him so he never saw them again and that's the thing like a good leader also needs a great management team it needs people mm. who can help them not fuck up and as we all yeah. know that is not always straightforward <laughs> it can be a challenge um but you, if your leadership team, the team around you, the, the, the civil servant equivalent of the Labour Party aren't helping you, then you are weak. You are. You've hmm. got no chance of succeeding. I didn't like write public, public infighting. How can you like this? I, is fucking it's, just this it's, isn't it's, even politics. This is just professionalism. It's absolutely professionalism. It's, do you know what? I refused to write a letter of resignation. I used. I refused to write. Put in writing the reasons I resigned from the Labour Party because I feared it would be leaked to the Guardian by somebody in the Labour Party wanting to have a pop at the Labour Party. Right. It was a fucking joke, and th mm. that is a thing that can only come 
come from privilege. Me personally, right. as a member of the Labour Party, I actually don't give a shit who the leader is. I really mm. don't. I've never been into that cult of personality. I did vote for, for Jeremy Corbyn in the second leadership elections, primarily just to go, listen, you fuckers, he's won once, he's going to win again. Now, would you get on board, please? Uh, mm. Which, you know, maybe wasn't the wisest. Maybe somebody else would have been more successful. But I literally was like, look, everyone voted for him. Stop challenging him. Give him a chance. Um, but I don't care. I really, really don't care. And I just care that this that, that I live in a country, or at least part time, live in a country where people are living in poverty, and that need that can only change with a change of government. Yeah, and leadership, and it, it just it just makes me think of this like it's like you can be like the head, start a big company, you can have your big company and be a bit like nerdy person who sort of came up with it all, but at a certain point you sort of need to hire a CEO who will actually do CEO stuff. To, if you don't want to kind of jump into that role of playing politics, you need someone that that can do it. To, even if you're kind of like behind the scenes helping them. Um, I guess that's what Dom Cummings has done. He's mm. sort of like nerded his way in round the back. Yeah. But he's got this kind of mouthpiece that has really spent, been groomed and worked his whole life to become this sort of like foe every man. Uh, like yeah. just you can't really throw anything at him because he's so sort of self so, yeah. I don't know what you even... Yeah. Um, I mean, he's... Everyone talks about politicians not having principles. So we have this principled politician who's useless and we have an entirely, completely and utterly unprincipled politician who's bloody brilliant at being a politician. Yeah. You know, he's absolutely outstanding. What we should really have is Boris Johnson in charge and Jeremy Corbyn as his right-hand man behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, yeah, there you go, <laughs> Boris. You, you win the election. Why don't you just switch to Labour? I mean, you obviously don't give a shit what the policies it's, are. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> he does talk about conservative values a oh, lot, doesn't he? But he, he I just don't fuck. think he knows... He doesn't care, does I don't. I, what 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 I'm curious about is what he wants to do next and how how long he wants this reign. How long does he need to be prime minister for him yeah. to have achieved his <laughs> to goal? Take it off. Yeah, and so then he can go. Well, I don't know what you do after you've been prime minister, but and fuck the fuck off. <laughs> it's, my, it's my new favourite phrase. So, yes, yeah, so we've got a total, uh, we've got the proletariat too busy backstabbing each other. We've got a a privileged white man. Maybe, the ne you know, the next leader of the Labour Party needs to be somebody who, you know, A, needs to be female at least, or at least a black man or something, you know, like just somebody or Jewish or anybody who's in e ever in their life had well, people Well, it needs to be, be Sadiq Khan, right? Oh, is he put his hand? He's uh, is he up so. for it? But Sharon's always like, I just want Sadiq to stand <laughs> the, for the leadership. Did. Wonder if the yeah, that's interesting. Mayor on mayor violence. <laughs> um, 
We've, we're sort of quite deep in already, but I just want to talk about the contrapoints thing as another example of yep. splintering left problems. I'll tell you what, like, I had to be in a really dark mood already to commit to reading all this, the details of all the left infighting. And I think the reason that people don't want to engage with this stuff is because it's, it's just horrible. So why would you? Like, why would you go and, like, hunt it down? Why would you hunt down the... Like, when people hear anti-Semitism accusations, you don't... If you start digging into it, you just get more and more miserable about the whole thing. Mm. Um, so it's understandable that people sort of kind of absorb the surface fact, absorb the surface idea um, without ever looking into it any further. But, and, like, yeah. I certainly was guilty of that, if not, you know. Well, one, one thing I w would add to this whole mm. anti-Semitism thing is that even a whiff of a leader who uh, is being accused of anti-Semitism gives many other people licence to be anti-Semitic. And that's uh. that it really is the, the, the nastiness of it all. It's like, you know, you accuse you suddenly because they're definitely without 100 percent are instances in the Labour Party today of people being arsehole, anti-Semitic arseholes, because they sort of think they're allowed because they're mm. idiots. <laughs> it's like... And I don't think the Jewish press even thought about that when they sort of like no, it's like, launched this attack in public. But uh, so, but just as another, as another example of this, like, and I think that I think kind of f highlights the problem the left has from a different perspective is, OK, a very sort of successful YouTuber ContraPoints, who's a, a, a vocal trans person who's transitioned basically on YouTube, started out sort of pretty much male and then ended up like most recently has had some sort of facial surgery to just sort of like take away some of the things that she was a bit more self-conscious about, about being clocked. Um, this person who, is, who has been in the press, in the media a lot for helping to like bring a lot of the people that were latching onto the alt-right stuff back into kind of a more understanding, back to sort of just help them appreciate sort of sort of engage with them on their terms and actually kind of manage to bring some people back. And this has been a very powerful thing. And certainly I've learned a lot from this person. Um, this is a, a trans person who presents female. But what she got in trouble with on Twitter was for sort of complaining about um, this, this sort of gender pronoun, like everyone's got to say what their pronoun is now when you come into a room and just that feeling that they're only, they're sort of doing that for my benefit, but actually I would rather that not be the conversation because I, uh, it just draws attention to me when I'm just most interested in not being clocked. So got into a lot of trouble for make, being a bit glib about that on Twitter. But from the sort of gender non-binary people who want to who that's really important to like it's really important to someone that is sort of sort of somewhere in the middle of the spectrum to not to, to not be misgendered um so there's a reason for those mechanisms and that the fact that this person was being glib about it got her in a lot of trouble and then since then, like, sort of after, like, a very heartfelt apology and, like, just, you know, sort of saying, like, I'm really sorry, I wasn't really thinking about that, um, to then in the next video brought in someone who's got some, like, used as a vo voiceover someone that has been vocal about some certain, um, another trans issue which escapes me right now, uh, has had a heavy-handed and, like, uh, like negative effect on the on you know with his views to bring this person his voice she's been under attack again and just it's basically like broken contrapoints like it's like this person that sort of found themselves in the limelight doing these really great youtube videos and like really kind of opening a lot of eyes but then sort of one slip up and then like another sort of slightly misjudged thing even though this is someone that basically is a comedian like uh, in a lot of yeah. ways um that they've slightly kind of misjudged a couple of things have been cut under so much hateful like they've received so much bile online as a result of that minor slip up from people that you would think you're in the same community as that that it's really kind of like slowed her down and that's a thing that only that the left does in a way that you don't see the right doing. It's like we take down our own for not being perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, yeah, that not being perfect thing is... Uh, this is what we, we were talking... You know, you talked about earlier, actually, didn't, it was pre-recording, about mm. how open source does this. Yeah, and, well, and I think it's very it's close to that. Very, like, very I, close I, to that. It's like um, it, it, the open source community, just the open source desktop community is so fractured and so quick to accuse each other of being wrong or like you say not being perfect that it just becomes really weak um and i i remember there was somebody in the a very a very young person in the ubuntu community was really gobby and did a couple of stupid things and somebody one of the engineers in uh, canonical and i were talking on irc as is our want mm. and i was like you know, we are, you know, if it takes a village to raise a child, this is one of our children. We can't mm. just beat him down because he said something stupid. Let's help him learn, um, you know, why that's not acceptable, what he mm. did. Let's bring him on a journey. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's educate him. If we know better, let's teach him. And he was like, all right, then, Buddha. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but, you know, we can't just because... I disagree with you doesn't mean I need to attack you. And the, the, the pronoun thing as a trigger, it's like, I don't know anyone in the world who's not slightly afraid at the moment of the pronoun thing, are they? You know, like, it's like, whoa, I don't know how... To, we've had whole conversations about how to use there, never mind this. Um, and I, I could give a couple of contrapoints to her to her uh, lack of desire to draw attention to herself, which takes you back to my... my uh, unwillingness to foray into feminism when I was at university I was mm. like stop drawing attention to the fact that I'm a woman you know one mm. of five women in a in a class of 90 engineers but mm. actually you are one of the five you know you want to yeah. you are the only trans person in the room you know you gotta I'm afraid you can't escape it um so I I, I don't know why we hold each other up to such standards of perfection yeah. um, and it's hard to like and like and what you know what the the classic every man response to that is oh you can't say anything these days it's like uh well yeah it's, there's there's a lot to learn to not kind of like step on anyone's toes and that's that feels unfair that feels tiring that feels and the fact that even a famous trans person can still kind of fall into those traps just goes to show, yeah, it is difficult. And maybe it is this splintered bubble reality thing where people, when you are in that bubble, you think, how could anyone not be aware of all this stuff I'm constantly thinking about? How can anyone not understand the the pronoun discussion is really really important because it's all I see in my Facebook feed all the time. Like, um, there's that. You sort of forget that the stuff that you're an expert in is like other people aren't, and mm. it and it's new to a lot of people, and it's and everyone's got a different sort of filter on their on their world that makes it hard to overwhelming, I think, to a lot of people to even sort of start to think about this. But for me, like I just I just find it interesting enough that I want to kind of go into it. And if someone can explain it nicely, which I think ContraPoints was doing really well on trans issues, that... <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's lots of... It's very scary talking about things that you haven't personally experienced. Cause yeah. I, I find it scary in... Uh, I don't really... I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't really know how I can learn that I'm wrong unless I say some things... Out loud mistakes. and yeah, have them yeah. questions. <laughs> it's like, uh, what was I taught? I, uh, a friend of mine um, wrote, in fact, I could highly recommend a book called The Other Mother, which is written mm -hmm. by a woman called Jen Brister, who I happen to mm -hmm. now be friends with. Mm -hmm. And she, yeah, she's like friends with me and I'm friends with her. Uh, but she, and I, and I sort of, I picked her, so she's a, she's part of a lesbian couple and they've got twin boys. And I approached I picked up the book. I, I always buy things that my friends make. So I, yeah. I wrote, bought a book and, and I realised as I was reading it that some part of my brain expected her experience of parenthood to be somehow different to mine. <laughs> and I didn't really... Saying it out loud, you realise how ridiculous it is. Mm. And I was telling, I was telling another lesbian friend of mine about this. And I was going, look, um, yeah, I couldn't believe... You know, I couldn't believe... I didn't realise that it had this prejudice or this kind yeah. of picture in my head of something that was going to be 
weird and different about being a parent if you're in a lesbian couple versus any and yeah there are some specific questions that she would get asked that I wouldn't get asked Mm. but frankly in every other regard it's a parenting book it's Mm. a book about the experience of parenthood and I think you have to like I don't know how else to have your uh, prejudices your knowledge your lack of knowledge your ignorance uh, imp- removed imp- it, other than have confronting it and addressing it and, and being yeah. able to go you know I've been reading a book recently this um, Don't Touch My Hair written by a black so I'm at the beginning of it so there's a, a mm. black woman writing it who um, grew up in North, in Ireland very white area with Afro hair and the whole basis yeah. of her conversation about racism is based around hair yeah, and it's like oh, you know, my mum bought it and recommended it, but it's like you don't really think unless you experience it. How are you gonna? How are you gonna know? Um, I don't know how this helps us with with the labour part, but, but no, but like I think we need to. Yeah, like it's just do you know what? Like my glib response to that is like people don't know how much it hurts my feelings when someone says "run, forest, run" to me. <laughs> do people say that to you? Oh, yeah, it's a very funny joke. <laughs> every so often, so At least your name they... doesn't rhyme with wanker. Thanks for listening. Sorry about the, the break, but it sounds like most people are kind of behind on it that I talk to. <laughs> like... So I'm sure it isn't the end of the world that there was a couple missing. But um, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, if you want to continue to follow our journey into, you know, desperate attempts to make sense of this in- increasingly incomprehensible world, uh, you can subscribe so that you get a new episode every week. Easiest way is to go to grandpodcast.com and click on that big orange subscribe button up at the top. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Ivanka? People can find me at Ivanka on Twitter and sporadically at Gram Podcast on Instagram. And uh, that's it, really. That's where I am. You can find me at michaelforestmusic.com, which links through to the other places I exist. I've been streaming on Twitch. If you want to watch me edit the podcast, you now probably can. Mental. <laughs> um... So, yeah, and thanks to the people that have uh, donated us a bit of money this year. It's not many, but um, (laughs) it's just every little bit is encouraging. And and if you want to do the same, we've got a Patreon uh, or there's like a PayPal list link if you want. And that's in the podcast description. Just have a scroll through because I always put a lot of effort into that podcast description. And thank you very much uh, to, for any emails that we receive. So, because uh, I didn't realise that Bruce would feel uncomfortable that we addressed him personally on the on the <laughs> on the podcast. But um, I have to say how much I enjoy when we get an email that gives yeah. us very detailed feedback. I find it it's genuinely really inspiring and motivating to a have have some conversation have some dialogue but also to know that people are actually listening <laughs> yeah because it's, it's hard for us to know we don't yeah. get any real-time stats or things we got we've got what we what looks like it could be a spike in downloads but it could have just been an ios update that kind of cleared out people's caches or something equally yeah. so we just really don't know <laughs> okay. so, so we, we have some figures but we don't really know what they mean so anyway mm thousands of downloads uh, so yes so all feedback welcome Pro- feedback to hello at grandpodcast.com is great if you could give us some reviews online that would also be very helpful and it's very nice to know when people enjoy it mm. you can and also tell yes. us if you think we're wrong but yes once again thanks for listening see you next time bye 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 bye, bye. We'll